Now, for something completely different, from east of the Rockies, here's Brian Wilson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all sexes, and those of you reconsidering that next Bud Light purchase, it's time once again for something completely different as we follow the bouncing ball as the two and only return with gay abandon to melt as many snowflakes as possible. If this is your first time, trust me, we'll be gentle. I am your co-host, Brian Wilson. No, not that one. And I'm joined once again by the most successful journalist who types with his fists, the iridescent James Bovard. Hey, thanks for your kind words. Hey, uh, for the record, I was a Kelly girl, so uh, I wasn't allowed to type with my fists. But it was kind of a traumatic job because I'd have these female bosses that would come up behind me and start rubbing my shoulders and say, faster, faster. Well, you should have said, yeah, you're rubbing the wrong part. That might not have gone over too well. I, I don't know. Kelly girl, is, is that makes you gender fluid. Is uh, oh, You're kind of way ahead of the game here. I think that's about as close as the gender fluid I ever got. I mean, I was I was pretty damn scruffy for a, a Kelly girl. I had a beard, and there were some offices that kind of uh, uh, you know, wrinkled their brow when I came in. But uh, then I sat down at the keyboard, and voila. Yeah. Well... I don't know. I don't know if it was the beard that got you so much as more in the miniskirt. That probably could have been a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I didn't pass the fashion test, but 100 words a minute, okay, he'll do. Yeah, that's it. And that was, uh, was that manual typewriter? Was that the IBM? Uh, uh, no, it was a um, probably an IBM Selectric. So. Uh, with the correcto tape? Well, yeah, I had one typing test where I did a five-minute typing test, 100 words a minute with no errors, thanks to that uh, self-correcting tape. So, yeah. Well, I liked it when it was on that little reel. Otherwise, you had a piece of paper. You had to stick it down in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Memory of, oh. lane. <laughs> Memory lane that was yeah. like, uh, oh, how I suffered. Yeah. Not to mention the whiteout. You know, I used to put that on with a roller. <laughs> Back forth. Oh, man. Well, James, I can tell by your very presence you survived the Manhattan mayhem of the Trump indictment. Uh, I'm sure that was well, I know you weren't physically there, but um, I'm, I'm guessing you and your popcorn and a six pack probably enjoyed every moment. Well, you know, it, it's frustrating to me because I had so much faith in the justice system. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's entertaining. That's the best way to look at it. It's uh, amusing to see a prosecutor pull a case out of his backside and wave it in the air. And uh, much of the media says, hallelujah. And it's kind of like, well, he hasn't really revealed what the actual crimes were, but that's coming. That's coming, you know. So uh-huh. uh, it's it, it's amazing how far this case has gotten. And I also, you know, I want to make clear I'm not a Trump apologist. I'm not assuming Trump is innocent, but it's just uh, it's unfortunate when you got a former president being charged but with a legal theory that's, as the New York Times uh, mentioned, is novel. Um, I don't know how much further it goes downhill from here. Well, I, I had a couple of observations on that, I, I, uh, one of which immediately came out with all the attorneys. Of course, naturally, the, the big avalanche of guests and attorneys, legal scholars, uh, current and former law professors, and, of course, a bevy of questionably educated talk show hosts that all were trumped in and one can conclude from what they say that Bragg's case bears a strong resemblance to the legendary snowball in hell. And yet, I mean, quite frankly, I really thought, based on all their commentary, that once the indictment was presented in court, that the judge would have said, get out, case dismissed, this is bullshit. 
Yeah, I can see why you would think that. I don't. I don't understand why the um, why there wasn't a higher standard for bringing charges. And you know, there were a number of commentators that say it's an outrage to file uh, criminal charges against a former president. I I disagree completely. I don't have a trouble, any trouble with charging presidents for real crimes. But this is a case where they uh, where the crime seems to be in the imagination of the prosecutor. And he hasn't done either uh, due diligence or um, it just seems like they're just um, making it up as they go along. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, that's that does They'll just sit there and then come up with whatever. I when you say or when they say that um, this is, what was that phrase you just used? Presidents cannot be charged with a crime. And uh, when I heard that, my first reaction was, OK, how do you square that with no one is above the law? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a very dangerous notion. I mean, unfortunately, it's been the de facto standard for the U.S. Uh, for at least uh, 50 or 60 years. Nixon was kind of an exception, but Nixon was so stupid they had the tapes, and that kind of proved his guilt beyond a shadow of a doubt. And once those tapes started coming out, you know, it was like, you know, okay, dude, exit stage left. Uh, but you've had— um, there were a lot of worse things that Nixon did that he wasn't charged with. Likewise mm -hmm. for Lyndon Johnson. You look at the Gulf of Tonkin resolution that was Ooh. a fraud. Um, yeah. uh, you look at President Obama claiming a, uh, a presidential right to assassinate Americans without a trial if he labels them terrorist suspects. That's something that should have resulted in criminal charges. Uh, you look at George W. Bush's torture regime. And, uh, you know, Bush, when he was president, he said, no, I didn't order torture. As soon as his memoir comes out in 2010, he's doing a book tour and he brags about ordering waterboarding. And so it's like, well, you know, you seem to have contradicted yourself. Mm. Uh, no, but that so was an enhanced interrogation, Jim. And that, uh, <laughs> I mean, the words, words have meanings. That's what I'm thinking. Words, um, have, yeah, so. words should have meaning. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, and if words don't have meaning, then our rights are even shakier than you and I thought. So indeed. Well, um, I like the line that you had in today's New York Post piece. Uh, you said the uh, district attorney will not make his charges legally intelligible because the entire case is a morality play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And someone suggested that maybe this was just uh, an opportunity for him to come in and burnish his image because he wants to run for uh, God or emperor of all everything at some point in the future. But really, this is just resurrecting a bunch of dust that maybe uh, Georgia or the special investigator or something like that will pick up on and they'll be able to make uh, something out of nothing. That's certainly possible. The thing that amused me, spurred me to write that New York Post piece, was he was talking about the, the uh, Bragg, Alvin Bragg was talking about how Trump was guilty because he was trying to suppress negative information that would hurt his 2016 presidential campaign. And it's sort of like, well, what did you expect politicians to do? This is the definition of politics. It's also how federal agencies operate. Federal agencies uh, create trillions of new pages of secrets each year in order to hide government failures and abuses. If you look at, you know, there are federal laws like the Freedom of Information Act. That's basically a sham. If you want uh, information from the FBI, come back in five years. Uh, so the uh, laws that were supposed to guarantee government transparency have been trampled to dust, mostly within the, the District of Columbia. 
but Congress, uh, you know, pisses and moans every now and then, but doesn't doesn't fix the problem. Presidents get away with it. Their appointees get away with it. And yet we're supposed to be uh, horrified that, that a, a political candidate would try to suppress negative information. Right. And then, and then that's the way the media, you know, couches all this as this giant soap opera with horror and arched eyebrows and white knuckles and, and so on. And yet, like he was pointed out, you know, inside the uh, inside the beltway, this is all standard standard operating procedure. And, uh, and why is everybody surprised? And the other part you had in there about uh, neither party is fighting to roll back the various machinations, the buttons and levers and clauses that they use to pursue this because everybody's waiting for their at-bats. Okay, we're yeah. in the minority, but boy, when we get up to bat, oh man, we're going to use the same stuff. Yeah, and and there are so many elements of brazen hypocrisy in this case. I mean, for instance, Hunter Biden's laptop, ah. uh, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop could have disclosed far more damning information than any bimbo boinked by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, but the feds have swept that laptop under the rug so far effectively. And uh, but we're hearing about these, uh, you know, these payoffs to women that uh, Trump was uh, was idiot enough to pay to boink. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about all that thing with Hunter Biden and that business, uh, thanks to a different alternative media sources you know, that, that we all know about, you know, the, this is leaked out and that's leaked out and this information and that information. So anybody paying attention has probably got a pretty good idea of what it was all about and what happened and how to, to whatever degree it's been released. Uh, uh, right? a, yeah. Yeah. But Brian, that's a very small group. Anybody who's paying attention, well, damn, all seven of us. Right. Well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's how many people are listening to all this right now. I'm just saying, I'm trying to trying to give credit where credit is due. The thing that kills me is, you know, and you would think, uh, that even people on the outer fringes of uh, that are just getting little whiffs of this here and there is we've got another repeat performance of how uh, an administration, Obama did it, Biden is doing it, and so on, where they have, I think the common parlance is weaponized different departments, whether it's DOJ or IRS, BATF or whatever, and they're using it selectively to go after the people that they want to go after and not go after the ones that, you know, are in many cases seriously guilty. And that, to me, is far more dangerous, far more scary than anything on the classified documents or the uh, or Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever, because this this is this is essentially just uh, informal tyranny. Well, there are so many laws in the books right now that the prosecutors can pick and choose who they go after. And you really can't expect good faith in the, a lot of those situations. There are some honest prosecutors out there. But the system is basically uh, designed to showcase people like Alvin Bragg, who gets the headlines when he brings a case that kind of uh, should not have passed a laugh test. Hmm. And it, it's possible that some other prosecutor will file charges against Trump that are, are credible and will uh, should be pursued. But uh, we're still waiting for that. Well, I'm guessing, uh, and apparently I'm in fairly good company, that this is just going to be the, the basis, you know, for every talk show, every um, every TV segment on Fox, every Meet the Press, every one of these, these news programs is going to be nonstop. And meanwhile, you've got the southern border that I haven't read about in the past few days. You've got Ukraine, which is just kind of bubbling on the back burner. You've got all this business going on with NATO and weapons movements and uh, the alliances between Russia and China and the alliances they are separately putting together all around the world, and we're not. 
the idea that uh, that along with the uh, the death throes of the petrodollar doesn't look like all oh, this is going to be solved just uh, a couple of years from now when Republicans steal back the presidential election. No, uh, you're right. And it's uh, the thing about the petrodollar. I mean, uh, policymakers in D.C. are so ignorant and arrogant that they don't realize, OK, so y'all are spending how many trillion dollars uh, in debt each year that you don't have and that you're planning to sell U.S. key bills to cover that. And at a certain point, the foreign demand uh, evaporates and it seems to be evaporating at this point. And this is something that will have profound impact on how much money Congress can spend. Uh, from one sense, it'd be a positive impact because that money that they spend uh, is uh, providing shackles, uh, growing shackles for Americans in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, uh, so cutting back government revenue would be a plus, but uh, <laughs> there's so much financial uh, uh, disruption that could be coming down the track very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Not even mention the uh, the digitalizing of various uh, initiating the the digitizing of money and all the implications that has is just. Um, I mean, we couldn't we could talk for another 10 hours about that, and just scratch the surface. There's a couple of things I want to run by here before we run out of time. And that was one of the phrases that pops up uh, pretty regularly in, in political commentary is the notion that any disagreement with the popular narrative is an attack on our democracy. Now, being one of the more literal, simple minded observers, my reaction to that has always been, well, we're not a democracy. We're supposed to be a republic for which it stands. That dead horse just continues to be beaten at every opportunity by all these uh, various pontificating politicians. And, and yet to a man, woman, or pronoun, they call America a democracy. Now, considering the downside to freedom in a democracy, I would think liberty lovers would uh, welcome any and all attacks on establishing a force against majority rule. Or is uh, the notorious idealism you constantly criticize me for redlining itself again? <laughs> well, um, I agree with your uh, terminology. Um, I mean, it's sort of like uh, trying to uh, make that point at this point in American history is uh, challenging. Um, <laughs> there were some folks on uh, Facebook when I did a, a repost of an article last week on uh, Biden's you know, comical summit for democracy. They were upset because uh, it's not a democracy. And I'm thinking, well, you know, call it what you want. Uh, call it uh, big government out of control, whatever. But, uh, you know, we need to be able to... Um, I don't want to have to start by making an 800-word criticism of terminology. Well, and yeah, so, yeah, well, there's uh, that. But at the yeah. same token, you, you got to figure, well, somewhere we've got to peel back uh, the curtain or the epidermis or or something. If if the if one of the big problems that we have in this country is the ignorance of the electorate, then how do you get their attention? And you use that old Southern story about you know hitting the donkey up alongside there with the two by four to get his attention. Is that it? Um, although your point about 800 words on the root words of democracy and the application thereof is uh, probably not going to go anywhere either because those people all fell asleep during American history class anyway. But um, just a point, just something, one of those things that is uh, probably more of a personal irritation than something that's going to destroy the rest of the world. Uh, one other thing before we go, I've been watching the podium pounding by our various elected leaders as they decimate TikTok as the latest threat to our national security on one hand and undermining our precious youths on the other. Um, uh, considering the other popular social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of the gang, who vacuum up reams of personal info with every use, isn't there a, a bit of a, a air of hypocrisy going on here? 
I mean, in other words, since TikTok is Chinese-owned and it doesn't have an FBI desk in its office building, and the real reason for the official government rant and rave fest comes from their inability to control citizen and citizen communication without NSA, CIA, FBI monitoring, uh, it would seem to me that that's that's the real bugaboo for these uh, for you know for these government types. Is oh my God, you know, people actually communicating with one another without the hall monitors from the various alphabet soup groups. Yeah, I'm no fan of the Chinese government or Chinese companies, but there's a bill percolating through Congress on this, the Restrict Act, that would create huge new um, federal powers and could be used against a lot of uh, non-Chinese companies, including American companies, to muzzle the Internet further. And it, it was an interesting thing coming out of this uh, Summit for Democracy last week was there was so much open enthusiasm for censorship. Yes. Um, I mean, the the Biden team was talking about, well, we need to have more more crackdowns on disinformation. It's kind of like it, it is as if the revelations of the Twitter files never happened. Hmm. I mean, uh, there have been some uh, great exposés of how the um, Biden White House was pressuring social media outlets to uh, suppress true information about vaccine um, side effects and injuries simply because it would create vaccine hesitancy. And apparently the feds believe that they have a right to suppress anything that would make any anybody have second thoughts about getting injected. Uh, I don't recall seeing where the Constitution that's allowed. But mm. uh, so but there are so many odious threats coming out. And it's frustrating to me to, because so few people seem to recognize that the fundamental problem is government uh, off the leash. You've had Biden off the leash. You've had earlier presidents off the leash. A lot of these agencies are just uh, running wild. And instead, people are focusing on a, um, you know, and the idiocy of Bud Light and stuff like that. So it's. Well, it's not healthy for freedom and liberty, that's for damn sure. Uh, although I'm thinking that maybe we're coming up with a new term here. Are we talking about transparent censorship or censored transparency? <laughs> well, that's Which good. Which way is that going to go? Yeah, well, but but part of what's interesting is that the the media reaction to the Twitter files that exposed the FBI, mm -hmm. you know, putting all this pressure on Twitter and uh, other federal agencies did that. And the news media has basically ignored it and said, well, it wasn't really censorship because they didn't really force him to do that. And it's like, it, it doesn't count unless you got an FBI agent holding a gun to a Twitter official's head and saying, uh, you know, cancel this tweet right now. But that's an absurd standard for uh, censorship. And it's just, it's sad to see the media with so little um, enthusiasm for defending freedom of speech. Well, there's got to be a motive in there somewhere for them. And maybe it's just <laughs> too much work. <laughs> You're not finding it at all. That, I, I ain't looking. You know, I got, got other fish to fry. For example, uh, here we are, just 261 shoplifting days left till Christmas. I want to encourage all six other people who are listening, don't risk showing up over the river and through the woods at Grandma's house empty-handed. Or just another gift-wrapped jar of Vicks VapoRub. You're never too old to appreciate the salient points of freedom and liberty loaded on every page of Jim Bovard's award-winning Lost Rights. Now, despite being published way back in 1994, like Gone with the Wind and Peyton's Place, it stands the test of time.
The Liberty Lover on your list will go bonkers upon unwrapping his or her copy. Of course, the same could be said for any statist you're talking to also. This year, avoid the dwindling number of Walmart employees by visiting the ruins of the old Book of the Month Club Museum and Apothecary and stock up on every one of Jim Bovard's erudite commentaries on how Washington, D.C. went from a swamp to a sewer in just a couple hundred years. Now, my so, tiny collection of books is still available for the general public and can be found in a diligent search at Amazon or on the clearance pages of eBay. On a uh, rare serious note, today so, marks the first time a recent scribbling of mine, a great gun control myth, hit the trifecta. It was picked up by the very credible Zero Hedge, LRC.com, and American Thinker. Now, this never would have happened uh, without the encouragement, critiquing, and irregular nagging from Jim Bovard for me to stick with writing along with my alleged broadcast career. So a uh, big, sincere, and public thanks to uh, Jim Bovard, author, friend, and varsity butt clicker. Brian, uh, thanks very much. And it was great to see your piece on uh, Zero Hedge, where you've had almost 40,000 readers. You've had hundreds of comments. And it's, it's, uh, it's great to see your piece being showcased like it deserves. Wow. Well, that's, uh, I wasn't aware of that. But I'm thrilled. It's it's great, especially this close to a birthday, which was a little bit less than anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you survived the birthday. And so far, you've survived Alabama, too. True that. Well, look, now make sure to uh, like uh, now or something completely different page on Facebook before the hall monitors find out what we're doing there. The uh, two and only will uh, meet up again here next time. Make sure to warn your friends and encourage your enemies so they, too, can laugh embarrassingly when they're discovered listening to all this. For the irredentable James Bovard and with questionable technical assistance from our bipolar bus driver, Joe Ted, I shall remain Brian Wilson until the car warranty actually expires. Make sure to visit our separate but disparaging blogs, cleverly but separately located at jimbovard.com and brianwilson.net. And be sure to sign up for my uh, alleged Substack subscription. That way you won't have to go searching all over the place in a waste of time to find something to waste some time. It's free at least until the recession begins. That's all the environmental damage we can do for now. Yank that there plug, Joseph. <laughs>